Hey, podcast listeners. Hey. Hi. It's uh, it's another beautiful day here listening to our podcast. Uh, we want to update you on what's going on in Superhero Movie Club world before we get into the meat of the show. Mm. So any anything from Twitter? Real Ben Anderson favorited one of our tweets where we talk about how awesome Daredevil is. Now, are you Real Ben Anderson? No. Oh, some other person? Real is? Ben Anderson. Twitter handle fake Ben Anderson is not me. Oh. It is someone pretending to be me. I'm so confused. <laughs> that seems a little if you counterintuitive. Wanna, if, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Ben underscore Barbado, which is <laughs> Spanish for bearded Ben. <laughs> but you're not real Ben Anderson. No. Nor are you bearded right now. Right. Well, yeah. You're a liar. You're whatever. Yeah, you're you're mostly true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about on the Facebook? All right. On Facebook land, we have a new follower in the form of Ray Frame. Hello. Thank you for following us. Yay. Glad you're back on Facebook after your hiatus. <laughs> we are really gunning for that 100 followers, so please. We're in the 60s right now. Yeah, we're in the 60s. We wanna... We're want to. we literally gunning. Like, I'm just going to say my nine is easy to load if we don't get to 100 followers. Your what? My nine. nine iron. Oh, gosh. Nine, nine iron. iron. Nine iron. What? <laughs> First of all, bullets are not made of iron. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> second of all, nine golf. stands for nine millimeter. Not my handgun. Yes, <laughs> my semi-automatic pistol. Who is there to kill? <laughs> because we don't know who's not liking the page. I just might shoot through this glass panel and <laughs> just end it all. Yeah, it'd be like you know what makes the show better? If Michael weren't here <sighs> doing all the work, <laughs> <laughs> like running the mixer and editing afterwards. And also doing the bulk of the research. Another note on Facebook. Got a lot of positive feedback on our most recent episode, Scott Pilgrim. A lot of people sharing it. So A lot of people digging the Scott. Well, it's, mm. I was really worried about that because not a whole lot of... I, I fear nobody has seen that film. But those who have, they love it. Yeah. We love it. We're, we lesbians it. We <laughs> lesbians that film so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. This episode... Yeah, this might is really good too. This episode's maybe my favorite ever. <laughs> <laughs> For now, at least. This is of course Jonah Hex season five, episode two. Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. Um there's there's a certain running theme throughout this that we hope you'll enjoy at, or at the very least not get tired with. <laughs> yeah, I hope people think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> we hope we always think we're all funny. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, better load that nine millimeter for me too. Yeah. <laughs> the joke. Why? Because you're gonna kill Skylar? Because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the just being morbid. Let's be honest. I'm the most expendable one here. <laughs> no, nobody listens to superhero music as much as any other person in the world than you. Yeah, and no one listens to the science segment of the show. So, uh. <laughs> but you're the dynamic man. You're what we have that nobody else has. I just make dumb jokes about the '90s. <laughs> you know what? That's also something nobody else has. <laughs> That's true. We are the best, though. <laughs> we are the best podcasters around. Don't you doubt it? Objectively. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I took a BuzzFeed quiz and be like, "Who's the best podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's me." <laughs> <laughs> Posted that on your Facebook page. No, I, I never post things from BuzzFeed to Facebook because I don't want people to know I read BuzzFeed. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, here's our Jonah Hex episode of Hexisode. Our Jonah Hexisode. Hexisode. So cue the theme.
welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer. Joined together in the studio with me is the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. And the movie maestro, James Skyler-Houtsma. Movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at SHMC. We like to call ourselves a movie discussion podcast. We cover everything else about the movies you maybe didn't notice, including their budgets, music, source books, and hell, even the science. This week, I hope you're ready for... Jonah Hex. Is the voice you wanted. You surely have done us quite a favor. Transaction's all it was. I'll collect my $100 bounty on them and be on my way. That there, Mr. Hicks, was more of a limited time offer. But you paid all the same. Oh, hell, Mr. Hicks. There's an unscrupulous man or two paid double that for your stinking hide. Five coffins. Don't need eight. Jonah Hex. <laughs> yes. And don't ever do the 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 intro out of order again. Out okay. of order? Sorry. I hated it. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Don't you don't even look at me. <laughs> Alright, let's go through so I can barely look at you. You got this giant. Yeah, that's why thing I put him there you. because I knew you were gonna mess up the intro again. <laughs> Just be on your feet, guys. It's <laughs> you're okay. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Uh, so let's go with first opinions around the board here. Skylar, Skylar wants to go first. Uh, no, Ben wants Skylar to go first. I don't think I'll have a better opportunity on this, a better, more fitting opportunity on this program to call a movie a train wreck. So, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so Jonah Hex is a train wreck. Yeah, it's real bad. Like, other than why Skylar? Why? Because it's a seventy-minute movie that I forgot about while I was watching it. <laughs> Took a little nap. Yes, I did. And still nothing happened. Ben. <laughs> this is among the worst films I have ever seen. Oh, wow. And I I mean I could go on and list the you know films that I think are worse than this, but I don't want to beat a dread horse. <laughs> oh. Is that no, your pun? No, yeah, that's you were pun. holding on to that one all day. Yeah, oh. just so you could say "beat a dread horse." Yeah, get out of this studio before I punch. No, you. it it is it is better than dread. No, no, it's not. Oh, oh, I got that backwards. Dread is way better than this movie. Oh, jeez, dread at you least had some lynched. <laughs> uh, dread at least had some you know visually interesting things going on and exciting action sequences. But this had none of that, and also the plot was way worse. <laughs> so Jonah Hex, and by the way, count the amount of times that his name is said in the film exactly that way and take a shot for each one. And then you die because you've had like 20 <laughs> shots in 70 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so true. This film was so I – was, I was like, oh, good, it's only 70 minutes because I was sitting through it like, man, I hope this gets done pretty quick. <laughs> I can't. There were a couple of redeeming qualities besides Megan really? Fox's. Okay, Megan Fox's acting horrible. We can all agree. Yes, she was in this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that type and her role in the film was also. Well, what is she doing there? But Michael Fassbender as Burke, those moments I could really cling on to. I don't know. He was the guy in the bowler hat Ooh. with the weird chin tattoos. 
basically the the Irish Riddler. Yeah, the Irish Riddler. I don't Riddler. remember oh, any of the, I don't okay. remember anything about this movie. <laughs> I remember, yeah. And I think I think Josh Brolin half the time was doing a really good so, stoic hex, and the other half it was like, uh, you're just being like, I'm a gritty man type deal. Jonah Hex. <laughs> How'd you get that scar? I didn't. I didn't look at the runtime for this movie before I watched it, and it, like I just found out 20 minutes ago when Skyler was like, "Yeah, it's like this movie's only 70 minutes long," and I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, "No." No, it's at least like two and a half hours. <laughs> or at least it feels like two and a half hours. It's one of those weird time warping things where you just get sucked in and, well, I've just been watching this movie for 70 minutes. No, it's been 30 years. Oh, I bet NASA could like use this to reduce the, the length of time it takes to send a spaceship to Mars. <laughs> just like launch a spaceship, have everyone watch Jonah Hex back on Earth. <laughs> and then instead of taking... Like three years to get to Mars, it takes like eight months. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the money in this film. Oh, money. It's, it's a little, it's as sad as how poorly it did in reviews as well. Money is not a concept Jonah Hex, the movie, is familiar with. Went in with a production budget of $47 million. Dirt so, cheap. So cheap. It's <laughs> it's a cheap movie. It came out with $10.5 million from the U.S. Ugh. Less than 500000 from the rest of the world. Have we ever reached a moment where a number has been under a million? No. <laughs> Even Hex. Dread had a million. <laughs> Which brings Jonah Hex to a worldwide gross of $10.9 million. Oh my gosh. That is so bad. So let's relativize this for even more embarrassment. Opened number seven on a sunny July weekend. <laughs> no, sorry, it was June, sorry. With Five million dollars, so half of its total domestic gross. Number seven came out the same weekend as Toy Story three. So, oh, that's brutal. Right. At the same time, if Toy Story three had not been out, I still don't think this would have done any better. I think it may have gotten five more million at tops. Not- Notch, the creator of Minecraft, his net worth is one thousand times what this movie made. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, um, is there any film that made an equivalence to this amount of money uh, in the superhero realm? Is there a is there a movie based on a comic book that made less money? No, not, really, I can't even fathom what that movie would be. Okay, I mean, unless you're talking like about the Spirit like, Punisher, not unless you're talking about like Billion Buddy, which oh. literally one person saw. It. Yeah, well, that was in the film theaters for like two weeks, right? That doesn't count. And so is this movie, but... Really? <laughs> I seem to remember that being the case, but... Oh, so money is a quick topic. Yeah, it is. Now, let's try and figure out why this movie made so much less money than anyone hoped. <laughs> okay. Because you don't know anything about the film other than, like, previews until you go see it, and then you hear it's bad, and then you don't go to and it. And then your second weekend's real bad. Yeah. Right. But for the opening weekend to be horrible, it takes a special kind of marketing, right? It it takes poor marketing and also a Pixar movie being in the theaters the same weekend. Yeah, right. too. So nobody had heard of Jonah Hex. Yeah. Westerns are not in fashion, even if they're based on comic books. Actually, later that year, the remake of True Grit, Grit did really well. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I stand corrected on so that point. So Westerns were not popular up until that point. Okay. Well, I that's just because that one was like 
that was a Coen Brothers movie, right? Yeah. And it was really good. Like, I don't yeah. I think Westerns are out of fashion. That one just happened to be just a really good movie. Everybody knew of John Wayne's performance in True Grit and stuff like that, and it had a lot of cultural background. Whereas Jonah Hex, he's got 40 years of history, but even like comic book nerds have very few know about it. Because his comic books are just, they're not, he doesn't deal a lot in fantasy. Uh, he's a Western character. So you're putting a realistic character in a fantasy world. And it, I don't know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Before this movie, I didn't think I had, like, any exposure to Jonah Hex, but there is that episode of Batman the Animated Series where he goes up against Ron's al Ghul, I think, which, neato, but <laughs> forgettable. So. Yeah. Jonah Hex has been in a few cartoons, right. but whenever they want to do a Western-style cartoon episode, or, like, there's time travel involved and they go to the Wild Wild West, Jonah Hex is there. That is his realm. Same as if you go to, like, Underwater... There's Aquaman, there's Namor, they're there, it's their realm, mm-hmm. can't do it without them. And I also think a big part of it is just the name Megan Fox. Yeah. I feel really bad, because, not that I don't th- okay, she is, she's not proven herself to be a Hollywood actress. She's had many chances. Now, get rid of the Transformers movies, because I think she was limited in what she could do in those roles but what about where she's able to you know star in a film what is it jennifer's body right yep that's the one and i remember that being not that's not that not that great from what i've heard yeah Mm. so it's like megan fox you might want a different career choice because she doesn't have this like moment where it's like oh man it all went downhill after this moment it's just been it just hasn't like mean girls she hasn't had her Mean Girls yet. I suppose, yeah. Exactly. So when people see Megan Fox's name, they're like, oh, that movie's going to kind of suck. Yeah. I just really think Warner Brothers didn't have any faith in this movie to do well. So they're just like, yeah, we'll throw out the first trailer in April and then just go from there. Oh, only a, like a month or two before the movie yeah, came I out? Think so. Oh, wow. So the marketing That's was not a, a lot lazy. of time to build any hype. No. no. All right, so let's get to the story deviation to the comic book. So I had to research more than I've ever had to research before Mm. (laughs) on Jonah Hex because I know almost nothing about Jonah Hex. I'm like, he's a gunslinger who's kind of got, like, mystical elements, I think. I don't remember. All I know is that he's been in cartoons that I've seen as a kid and maybe last week. (laughs) (laughs) But let's start with um, a lot of the characters were made just for the film. Pretty much everyone except for about three different characters, or four-ish, three and a half. So let's start with the first comic book character to come about, and that is Lila, Megan Fox's character, loosely based on a Jonah Hex supporting character called Tallulah Black, who came out in 2007, made by Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Phil Noto. And her story is she's just one of the, she's one of those tales that you know Jonah Hex just sort of rolls into. She was violated by men, and her family was killed by those same men, and now she wants revenge. And Hex helps her get revenge because he walks into town when she's having this troublesome time. Jonah Hex. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how she said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She becomes inspired by Hex and becomes a bounty hunter herself, and later has. Jonah Hex's child, but the child dies in the womb before it's born. So that's all of Tallulah Black's story. Lila, in the movie, is just a prostitute. Okay, 
I need to really make a point here <laughs> about how so mad I was about this wasn't even like Megan Fox's fault. The script writing for Lila was horribly inconsistent because there was that guy, right, who came in and he's like, Lila, why can't we start our life together? You, me, let's run away. And she goes, I'm not that kind of gal because she's a prostitute or I don't know. She's free spirited. Mm-hmm. And then Jonah Hex rolls in. Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. Yeah. Jonah Hex. And she's like, Jonah Hex, we should settle down. She's like, Jonah Hex. (laughs) We should settle down. (laughs) We should settle down, build a life together, and, you know, maybe have some kids. And I'm like, what is your deal, Lila? You hypocrite. She she just doesn't like that other dude because he was an ass. Yeah, well, (gasps) say he's an ass. Don't, like, convince the audience that she's not just this tremendously inconsistent character. That's not my character. That's my character. Yeah, what the heck? I was so mad about that just script choice because I did not understand her motives at all. On a note about the script, written by Neville Dean and Taylor. Yeah, okay. I'm going to get there's. Who are responsible for the abortion that is Ghost Rider 2. Yes. For the travesty. Speaking of dead fetuses. (laughs) um, (laughs) Offensive. (laughs) Next up, we have Quentin Turnbull. John Malkovich's character, but in the comic book he was made in 1974 by Michael Fleischer and Tony DeZuniga, and he's just been sort of like Hex's rival throughout the years. Same plot device they used in the movie where Hex kills his son, Jeb. Now Quinted wants revenge against Hex for killing his son and goes to extreme measures to kill Hex. So there's many a plots where he hires a bunch of bounty hunters, where he hires a bunch of corrupt sheriffs and tries to take Hex out until eventually he's like, why don't I just put a bounty on his head? I'm rich. And then there's this plot element that Hex constantly has a bounty on his head. He could walk into town and they could be like, Jonah Hex, you're a wanted man. Oh no, I have to deal with this issue now. What, them calling him Jonah Hex like that? (laughs) All the time. All the time. (laughs) Yeah, the... If, if you don't say Jonah Hex like with a gritty enough voice, he, he just shoots you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to address him proper. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hex. <laughs> you know, just. So I, I think we ought to edit out some of these. Jonah <laughs> Hex. No. Excessive. <laughs> Hexessive. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. We should have like pre-recorded this and then put a little button on your mixing board and you can just press it. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hex. Let's go to the Jonah Hex soundboard. Jonah Hicks. That's it. <laughs> um, finally, we get to Jonah Hicks. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that was it. That was the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and he is created in 1970 by John Albano or Albano. I don't have Albano. Albano, sure. <laughs> and Tony Desuniga again. And. The Zuniga. The Zuniga. <laughs> He's just <laughs> improperly correcting me when you don't know the right answer either. <laughs> um, either. Oh, my God. I hate you so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he is a Confederate abolitionist. He fought for the South in the Civil War, but at the same time, he was against slavery, which was one of the big points of, of the Civil War. And so he's got constantly in conflict wherever he goes. 
either he's disowned in the North because he fought in the Civil War in the South, or he's disowned in the South because he's going around freeing slaves because he doesn't believe in slavery. And ironically enough, he was the reason why he was sold into slavery as a child by his drunken father at the age of 13. But he was sold into slavery to an Apache tribe, which I've never heard of that in American history. Where you could... You've never heard of the Apaches? No, 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 no. Of There was a lot more racism back then, of course. So in the context, a white man being sold to the Native Americans as a slave. Oh. Seems of, of, a, of an odd concept to me. And to put it in a comic book in the 70s, it's like, oh, why not? So he eventually is raised as a son by the chieftain of his Apache tribe. But the, the chief already has a son, non Tante, and he becomes obviously jealous of Jonah Hex, this outsider who has his father's love. So Nantante does everything in his power to get Jonah Hex out, betrays him, all that jazz, goes after the same woman that they both like, until eventually Jonah Hex challenges him to a duel, a, a, a trial by combat. And Nantante sabotages Jonah Hex's tomahawk, so in order to finish the fight without dying, Jonah Hex uses his something. He uses a knife, which is cheating. He uses a knife. That's cheating. And because of that, the chieftain's like, you cheated. Sorry, you can't be in our tribe anymore. So he scars him with the mark of the demon. And that's where he gets his messed up face. In comic book history, an Apache chieftain scarred him with the mark of the demon, and now he's a half-melted face. Did the marking the first time do the trick, or did he have to do the thing where he heated up the tomahawk and then just burn the mark off um i haven't read the comic book okay. <laughs> sorry i can i couldn't find it honestly i couldn't get a hold of it you will be forgiven <laughs> so like i said a lot of the jonah hex stuff is kind of obscure and it's really hard to get information on other than like just the wikipedia page there's the point in the movie though of does jonah hex have superpowers he's a comic book character and you can talk to dead people. That's pretty super. Yeah. Well, in the movie, they give him the ability to talk to dead people and know what dead people like, like putting dirt on them and whatever. And he makes them sound truthful. And there's this whole mysticism behind if I touch them while they're recently dead, they'll burn up faster type deal. All that made for the film. Jonah Hex has never been described as like for a long run having mystical powers. He's just had a very keen danger sense, tremendous accuracy. And been thrown into supernatural situations where all he has to rely on is his revolver and his wit. So he's basically Hawkeye. Yep, but from the 19th century. And doesn't use a bow and arrow, he uses magnum revolvers. Which is, that's the, you know, 19th century equivalent of a bow and arrow. I suppose, well, other than a bow and <laughs> other arrow. Other than a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> he was raised by an Apache tribe. Um, but even they use revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and tomahawks. Yeah. <laughs> So he's been in a bunch of things. He's always shown up in the comic books as the go-to Western character. There isn't really anyone else in the DC Universe who is Western-y enough to out-Western Jonah Hex. And in the Marvel Universe equivalent, it's like Kid Colt and the Two-Gun Kid. And even that's like people's never heard of those guys, right? They were both Avengers, I think, too. (laughs) But that's pretty much it for Jonah Hex. I mean, if you like Westerns and if you like Western comics, definitely the go-to Western comic to pick up. Probably the most popular of most recent years. Do it instead of watching this movie. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly more entertaining. Uh, But that's all I have on Jonah 
Hicks. Jonah Hicks. <laughs> All right. When will that stop being funny? Oh, I think never. the listeners decided that seven Jonah Hexes ago. All right. So the music for uh, Jonah Hicks. We're going to do Juno something. Juno Hicks. Juno Hicks. <laughs> starring, starring, <laughs> starring Ellen Page. Starring Michael Sarah. <laughs> Who? Um, um, guys. I don't I don't know how to use this. <laughs> Is this a gun? I've never I've never I've never actually shot a gun before. Oh, oh hi Lila. How's your um oh. prostitution going? <laughs> I'll leave you alone forever now. <laughs> Doing a little something different for the music segment today and well, it's hard to prepare for today because the soundtrack had like six songs. Yeah. And two of them were just redone. Exactly. So let's dive in. Let me put my Swami hat on here. Connect with the spirit realm and crows for some reason. Swami? The Swami hat? I know who Swami is. Yeah. I just Swami? Swami. 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 Who did the music for this, okay? That's what I need to know first. I have to dive into the Nelver realm to find the answer because there's much confusion as to whether it was Mastodon or John Powell. Mostly Mastodon, but kind of John Powell, too. Is Mastodon a person? Mastodon's They're a the band. best metal band of all time, except oh. for Iron Maiden. Okay. And possibly Slayer. Although I hate Slayer, so it's, they're probably not good. <laughs> Since I have That's in, a roller coaster I have of emotions. In, I have infallible taste in heavy metal. <laughs> no. Okay. That's not true. Okay. So, wait. Mastodon composed this? Supposedly, from what I'm... Uh, gathering here now going into this i'm seeing lots of heavy metal sounds guitars that are vaguely western but not really just mostly metal i see three doors let's see what's behind door number one what's the name of the song i don't know train assault That is barely Western. Yes, nothing says Western like electronic instrumentation <laughs> repeated over and over and over. I take back what I said about Mastodon. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Megadeth. Oh. Okay, good. Uh, what's up for door number two? I, I hear banjo. I hear banjo and something slightly more Old West, but equally as unfitting. Okay. In all fairness, this song is not composed for this movie. Okay. This song was pulled for this movie. Ah. They paid for the rights to use this song. Okay. But at least it sounds like it should go with the film. Because could, you could finish the, sound, the soundtrack to Jonah Hex in like 20 minutes. Yeah. It's very, very short. <laughs> and it has, and it's very, very boring. Yep. So they had to fill it with actual Western sounding songs. And this one's called The Banjo Song by C6 Steve. By C60. Go. <laughs> On my way down the road. On my way. On my own. On my way down the road. On my way. Oh, sounds this way. Much too 
Banjos. Banjos. Yeah. Kazooie. Oh, isn't it awesome that studios can have the power to actually release something like this in theaters? <laughs> yeah, but they don't make money on it. Yeah. They're clearly not. They just so let it go. They get what they deserve. <laughs> All the money Inception brought them this summer, they had to put it towards how much they lost from Jonah Hex. Maybe this was just like a big like tax write-off. Oh, yeah. Well, it could have you been know? for Warner Oh, no. Warner Brothers does not have to keep con. Usually you can make crappy movies so you have to keep your contract rights to comic book characters like for, there was that spell with the X-Men for a bit they had to pump out a movie every two and so two or so years yep didn't matter how good it was but Jonah X Warner Brothers owns all the DC characters they don't have to worry about it it's not going anywhere mhm what's anyway, the last track final door what is it called like indian theme yeah cuz there was that part where you went through that indian spiritual bit oh yeah where he's on that weird ass plane I didn't get that. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, well, and we get that, Ben. And and his final fight with Turnbull is like in this weird red clay place. And oh, and it's supposed to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, it's supposed to be like all symbolic or whatever. Most but it's a really just... interesting part of the movie. But I didn't understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yep, no one did. No one yeah. did. <laughs> Cue it up. Feels if I should be playing that on Guitar Hero. <laughs> what, what, what's the matter, Skyler? Is your face melting, or are you just crying? Uh, how about both? Yeah. When I'm, I think I'm Indian cl- theme, I think headbanger. <laughs> I'm crying tears of my own facial material. <laughs> oh, what? It's almost poetic, but at the same time, really confusing. <laughs> I know. You must just be- like the sequence this music accompanies. <laughs> <laughs> you must be emo. Almost poetic. <laughs> Have I you would met not... me? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to discuss about the music of Jonah Hicks? Oh, no. The music of... of... <laughs> he answered that for you. Yes. It's it's about as dumb as the movie. And I say that with love. Not really, but... <laughs> just, was... buy an actual, just buy an actual Mastodon album. Yeah, really. Like one from the late 80s. It'll be, it's a much better investment. Also, the soundtrack was very similar to, like, Ghost Rider 2. Except Again, worse. It w- yeah, it was worse. Like, you guys were all up on Ghost Rider 2, and then this one's just like... Ghost boom. Rider 2 had a couple bangers. This was just... Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> but that's just a good word. Ugh. ugh. So, so, Ben. Yeah? How are you doing over there? <laughs> Please let me die. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to need you to talk science about this movie as best as you can. Um, There's usable material here. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So let's start with the very opening scene with horses carrying Gatling guns. Okay. A horse could lift a Gatling gun. For sure. Double Gatling guns, like on both sides? Sure. They're not that heavy. Okay. But, I mean, well, horses can also lift a lot. Why was this never used in the Wild West? Why? Wh- wh- Cause it, well, because if you try to uh, put a Gatling gun on a horse and then shoot... It'll spook the horse, and then they'll fall over. Oh, that'll make, yep, totally. Like, the horse would just freak out because machine guns <laughs> right long. by its ear, <laughs> you know? But it's it's a totally a thing you can do. 
probably. I don't know. How heavy is the Gatling gun? I have no clue. Yeah, I don't either. How oh. much can a horse lift? Well, one horsepower. So <laughs> does it take less than a horse? one horsepower to carry a Gatling gun around? I, would, I don't know. I would assume so. You can, Yeah, you can drag a Gatling gun behind you on a bike. So don't ask me how I know this. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Not an unreasonable weapon, just stupid. <laughs> just, just real dumb. I sense a theme in this movie of that. Yeah, just real dumb. But I mean, I it was kind of cool. I mean, th- we we can forgive the the dumb moments if it ends up being really, really cool. Yeah, it wasn't cool. It though. wasn't that cool. Yeah. It was. It was probably the best attempt at cool. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Other than oh, actually, no. I think what was a little bit better was the dynamite crossbow gun. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. So let's talk about that. Okay. You light a stick of dynamite, use a crossbow to launch it. And then it blows up. Uh, oh, that's fine. Like, like what happens if it just gets caught on the way out and then just at your well, feet? Well, yeah, it's basically a grenade launcher with a really high chance of it just, like, falling down. But, but it's on a fuse, so you can just kick it away. Yeah. But, I mean, isn't that, like, is, doesn't the nitroglycerin inside of a dynamite stick really volatile? So if you, like, put some pressure on it, it'll just go off? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, Season one of Lost. This is a major plot point. Yeah. Like, if you let dynamite get really old, it'll start to sweat, Mm quote-unquote. Like, high volatile chemicals will condensate on the outside of it. But if it's fresh, I mean, that's that's why it's useful, because it doesn't just go off. You have to light a fuse. So, but, okay, so is he perfectly timing every single fuse shot then? Because every time he shoots, it blows up before it hits the ground. Yeah, basically. So usually it would just shoot, and then it would just stop. And then it would sit there, and then it would blow up later. It's basically like a grenade launcher, but he's using it like like those kind of grenades that blow off when they, you know. Hit something. Hit something with a certain amount of force. But you can totally make one of these things with dynamite sticks. Probably. It's, it's kind of amazing about Jonah Hex is they're still making realistic things. Yeah. Um, even though they probably wouldn't work as well as it, the movie would b- let it lead us to believe, yeah. it's still possible to make them. Actually, now that I think about it, probably what would happen is you would pull the trigger and then the dynamite would just fall apart because, <laughs> like, like, the thing that pushes the crossbow bolt forward, like, would go too fast and the, it would just kind of mush up and... Oh, okay. And just plop on the ground, and not, <laughs> not even be lit because it's just, it like it's just like shredded. Oh, yeah. So never mind on the dynamite thing. Also, the reloading thing seems a little weird because it just sort of springs itself up every time you shoot another stick. I don't know. I don't. I've never shot a crossbow. I don't know how they work. <laughs> That's your job, Ben. I know. You figure this I know. stuff out. I told out. you to just let me die. <laughs> you didn't listen. You're, you're making me suffer. Okay, let's get to the the most important aspect. The whole big plot point of this, the the final end. The Dragon all. Balls. Yes, the Dragon Balls, a.k.a. the movie referred to it as The Weapon, which is... The oh, Weapon. Yeah, Ulysses S. Grant called it The Weapon. All right, President, we don't have to use pronouns. We're in a secure area. <laughs> so descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's building... The, the Weapon. The Weapon. <laughs> What is the weapon? Jonah Hex. <laughs> Jonah Hex is the weapon. <laughs> uh, so describe to me what this thing does. Uh, it launches a Dragon Ball, and then it blows up a whole city. Well, what first, doesn't it launch cannonballs? I was never really clear on what it actually okay. did. Fine, I'll <laughs> describe it then. this is just a mess of movie. <laughs> so it's got like a Gatling gun version of a cannonball launcher, right? 
and it shoots about six cannonballs okay. into a town, yeah, into an area. Mm-hmm. And then there are these magic dragon orange balls, orange orange dragon spheres. Balls. We're going to call the, them dragon balls. Yes, they look very much like dragon balls. I was very confused. I was like, I didn't know that Dragon Ball was a DC property. <laughs> it's not. Um, so they shoot this orange ball, and when this orange ball collides with the ground, it ignites every single cannonball that was launched, creating a massive chain reaction of explosions. Yeah. So what's the deal, yo? Because I don't think cannonballs work like that. No, back in the Civil War era, cannonballs were just like, it either would be like one big steel ball or it would be a coffee can filled with many little steel balls. And then I forget what the the big steel balls were, but those were just, you'd launch them and then they'd hit something and it would just rip it apart because you're getting hit with a bullet that's the size of your head. Oh. Um, and then the the ones that shot out things in, they were called coffee cans or grape shot. And that would launch it out like a shotgun, but just spray. Just, yeah, just spray and shred your face off. Okay. Like they were they were nasty weapons. They were meant mm-hmm. to destroy buildings and property and stuff and ships. Yeah, it would well the the large cannonballs would destroy forts, infrastructure, like barricades, forts, barricades, ships, stuff like that. Grape shot was to destroy humans. Ooh. Just to cut a hole in you. So there are no explosive elements in cannonballs? Um no. Uh, not as far as I know. Because that wouldn't really make sense, right? Because if you're like, pretend you're a ship uh, sailing on the seven seas and somebody managed yeah, to... Yeah, wouldn't, you wouldn't want your cannonballs to have explosive stuff inside them because then that's just like one thing, that more thing that could accidentally explode. And for, just blow and up your ship. Yeah, you want to have as few explosives on your ship as possible. You have a barrel of gunpowder to run all the cannons. That's it. But as like as little as you can have. Because, mm-hmm. like, if it misfires, oh, if it misfires, then the cannon would blow up. But, like, if the cannonballs themselves were actually explosive, it would be even worse, probably. So, these orange globy things, the Dragon Balls. Yep. They're detonators? Like, okay. Something like that. Yeah, so imagine that Quentin Turnbull did the really dumb thing and make, made a bunch of cannonballs that were just filled with explosive mm-hmm. chemicals. Yep. This Dragon Ball can somehow ignite the chemicals remotely and cause a chain reaction. Yep. Is there anything you know in the real world that is similar to such a thing and or would have been available in the 19th century? Uh, Like remote mines. Yeah? Like you just lay a bunch of mines out and they're all connected to some transmitter and you press a button and they all blow up. Okay. That's the Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. The pivotal fairy scene, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's magic. It's The way they used it is magic? Yeah, because it's... Like, the, the yellow cannonball hits, and then everything else blows up, but there's, like, no reason for it. <laughs> there's know. nothing connecting the cannonballs with the orange dragon right. ball. Um, unless it's unless it's just straight-up magic. Yeah, like a giant explosive. Like, yeah, you could have the, the yellow one detonate, and then it would detonate the ones nearby, which would detonate the ones nearby. But then you just have, like, a really big... You could just launch one really big bomb. Yeah. Why do you, yeah, why do you need to pepper it first? 
to cause a chain Cause, reaction. Because this movie's a confusing <laughs> mess. <laughs> I just needed to get that explained because I was so confused on like how powerful this weapon is supposed to be. The weapon. And I'm like, did they make an atomic bomb 50 years before it actually got went into that's development? What I th- that's where I thought they were going to go with it. Yeah. But then they didn't. <laughs> I, I was like, I, they, like, they held up an orange dragon ball. I was like, okay, it's just going to be like one really big bomb. <laughs> it's going to be basically an, like have the power of a nuke in the 19 I mean 1860s. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's going to do it for science. Yeah. Unless you've got something else that's really egging you. No. <laughs> no. Uh so we only have like one fun fact so we might as well address it cuz Ta- nothing else about this movie was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well there was um instead of getting Josh Brolin to play Jonah Hex, there was a chance Thomas Jane AKA 2003's The Punisher, 2004's The Punisher. Thank you, Skyler. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, was he in the other Marvel films? I feel as if he was. He was in Scott Pilgrim. He was in Scott he was, Pilgrim. He was a vegan policeman, but he was campaigning to play it because he voiced Jonah Hex in a DC animated short labeled Jonah Hex. <laughs> wow. Um, and then Josh Brolin got the role. Yes. Not quite sure how that went down, but. That's get... Josh Brolin, how, how that worked out for him. <laughs> well, he gets to play Thanos now. At the other studio. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is not Warner Brothers. <laughs> so that's going to do it for fun facts. Do you guys have some because of this movies? We don't have a guest today, so we have room for this segment. So, And I, w- I welcome you fellas to go <sighs> wild with because of this movie. Because of this movie, I'm just worn out and sad. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <sighs> It's just—it's so bad you don't even have anything bad to say about it. Because of this movie, I think everyone should watch it just to get an idea of like how bad films can be, and then it like lets you appreciate like mediocre shit like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that much more. (laughs) Because of this movie, at the end of this film, I went, "Man, that was a lot like Ghost Rider." Like the pacing, the action sequences, and then the credits flash, and it's like directed by what's his face. It was directed by Jimmy Hayward, who yeah. did yeah. Horton Hears a Who before this. Yeah, so it's directed by Jimmy Hayward. I'm like, oh, I never heard of that guy. Written by Neville Dean and Taylor, the guys who directed oh, of course. The guys who directed Ghost Rider 2. And I went, son of a bitch! Bastard. And crank high voltage. Yes. And... Which is actually watchable, but... <laughs> oh, no, it's not. It's crank a, 1 is. It's a crank damn high sight better than... <laughs> it's true. Than yes. whatever this is. <laughs> yeah. So because of this movie, we will forever be indebted to Neville Dean and Taylor. <laughs> they have made their spot in Hollywood. For their continual coat hanger abortions they keep just oh, putting out. We need to stop using that phrase. I, that was his phrase. I just, <laughs> I'm just talking about the normal type <laughs> where it's a, Clinical. It's, a, it's a trained medical professional doing it safely. Yes. <laughs> Responsibly. You know, but, yes. Because they just make high-action romps. This wasn't a romp, This though. wasn't a romp. This was a slug. They this tried, was... though. <laughs> they tried. This was a... I don't know what this was. Because of this movie, Jonah Hex walks away from every single destination he was at, either running or it's exploding behind him. Or both. Because of this movie, those explosions were everyone's careers. <laughs> Except Michael Fassbender. Yeah, he killed it. He got to... 
he signed up for Magneto before this movie came out. So that's probably good. a good career move. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. He's counting as lucky stars. Yes, I don't think. It, well, you didn't remember he was in the movie. I, yeah, no, I don't know who that is. Period. Michael Fassbender was he one of the vegan dudes in? No, he was Magneto in X Men First Class. And Days of oh, Space. oh, and he played Burke in Jonah Hex. Oh. And he played a solid Burke. It's very much based on like Clockwork Orange. Yeah, kind of type character. Just crazy kooky. The unredeemable, you know, very irredeemable actions. Oh, yeah. No. Because he's just crazy. He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Clockwork Orange is so good. Shame that's not a graphic novel. Here we go. <gasps> oh, because of this movie, Michael Shannon was in this film for one shot. I I saw that on IMDb, and I'm like, oh, Michael Shannon's in this. Ah, General Zod. And they cut him out. And I'm like, where was I watched the movie, and I'm like, did I blink? Where was he? He was the circus ringleader in that forgettable part. I don't even remember what you're talking about. Because of this movie, we got yet another film that starts with an animated opening. Oh, that's right. Oh, It is a death wish. To put an animated opening in your action film. With a with the exposition dump voiceover by the main character. Exactly. Just it was it was very much reminiscent of Ghost Rider 2 Spirit of Vengeance. Almost the exact same thing. See, why was I smart enough to avoid this in theaters, but I still <laughs> went and saw Ghost Rider 2. Well, it was better, dude. That's true. Also Toy Story. I did see Toy Story that it, weekend instead. I saw Toy Story twice. Me too. It's good stuff. Yeah. Anybody else got anything else they want to say? Because of this movie, I'm surprised I've had the brain cells to form words. Because I feel like it's just the antithesis of neurons firing. Because of this movie, I'm kind of surprised that I still, you know, do this every week. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we do a whole episode on Jonah Hex? (laughs) For real. Oh, man. All right, fine. We'll end it. <laughs> we'll put our listeners out of their misery. Super- Wait. Yes? Let's let's just all do it one final time. Three, two, one. Jonah Hicks! Super- Lovely. <laughs> Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. If you want to tweet any questions to us or continue discussion on this show's topic, follow us on Twitter at SuperheroMC. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes so you can catch every episode as it comes out each weekend. And like us on Facebook to keep up to date with us throughout each week. Next show's topic is Iron Man 2. Ooh, ooh. Solid. You know you're in a good place where Iron Man 2 just looks so much, so <laughs> we much have, better. We have to be recording these out of order because didn't we do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, we we're, did we're that. way out of order to okay. appease uh, guests. That'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Keller-Houtsma. Ben Anderson. <laughs> Have yourself a super week. Scott Ben rises from his seat. He's not playing anymore. My name is Jonah Hicks, and I've come for this man about here. You may have heard my name before. It's known in many counties. You said to bring him live or dead. Now pay the process on his head, and I will be straight on my way.